Now from the Makadoo Studio, here's Tim Donnelly. Welcome back. Tim Donnelly Show, talk of the New River Valley. WRAD 101.7, 103.5, a.m. as well. Uh, guests and callers, join us on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. That's 540-639-4900. Producer Lobro here with us. Lobro, let's go ahead and hook the people up with a little uh, little half-hearted weather report. It's a little frosty out there. At least I can see on some of the, the vehicles out there, some frost out on the uh, the way. There's no frost. You can't see the way I can see. I drove outside today. There was no frost. What do you call that? It's just condensation. That that looks like frost to me on top of that blue car out you, there. You get it the looks... windshield wiper one time and it's all gone. All I'm saying, it might be a little bit frost. You might want to check your windshield just in case. So, you know, might want to heat the car up early. I've started doing that in the mornings now to kind of battle the cold. I'll uh, walk out about 10 minutes before I leave and then I'll uh, crank the heat up. And then boom, it's all nice and toasty when I get in there. Aren't you cold when you go out to start the car? Yes, but you start the car, you get the car heated up. So that way, once you're, I go back inside, finish getting ready, come back out, it's already warmed up for me. The only time, you know what I've, the problem I have with that? How do you lock your door? Uh, for the most part, my car does not seem to lock the keys in the car or anything. No, because like like, if oh. my keys are in the car, then I can't lock my apartment door when I leave my apartment. Because my keys, my apartment key is on my car keys. Oh, so you have to like lock it from the outside. Yeah. You can't lock it from the inside oh, and close the door? Oh, you lock it from the inside and close it? Nah, I got you. I see what you're doing there. All right, so it's it's not frosty, um, but you you can warm up your car. You can warm up your car. It's it's I, Like I said, it's a bit frosty, but I think it's going to – I feel like it's going to warm up today. My like – this is a little bit of a prediction, but I think it's going to warm up today. It was really nice yesterday, and I think it's going to – it looks like – the sky is kind of pretty out there. It's a little, a little blue, but you can see the the orangeness and the clouds and the sunrise. It's really, really nice out there, so I think it's going to be a nice day. All right, there you go. That is Lobro's Half-Hearted Weather Report. As always, he is not a licensed meteorologist. As if you couldn't tell. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into Gotcha Covered to make sure you know what's going on in the sports world before we start talking about this Hokie basketball win from over the weekend. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry. Tim will get you covered. This past weekend, NBA All-Star Weekend, one of the most exciting, if inconsequential, weeks on the sports calendar. Dunk contest, three-point contest, All-Star game mixed in amongst a whole bunch of stuff that really doesn't matter. We'll start with the dunk contest. Aaron Gordon gets robbed once again. He put up five straight 50s. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Five of them, and somehow he leaves without the trophy. No knock on Derrick Jones Jr. His his highlight reel was unbelievable. The, the, the dunks he was able to pull off, I can't even explain in words, let alone even attempt. Couldn't even make them appear in my mind. However, if someone puts up five straight 50s, and they are someone that came into the dunk contest with the reputation of Aaron Gordon... He should have won. I'm going to just go ahead and say that one. Moving on to the All-Star game, the new rules were awesome. Uh, the, the NBA learned that essentially the last four minutes of the game is the only time when the All-Star game is actually played with any kind of actual intensity and effort. So what did they do? They made the end of each quarter its own winner, thus giving us 
another 12 minutes uh, to do quick math there, 12 minutes of last four minute effort. Uh, it really became really, really exciting. Uh, Kyle Lowry attempted to take a charge, which I don't think I've ever seen in an all-star game. Kawhi Leonard, who is Mr. Load Management, Mr. I need to take a rest to save myself for the playoffs, earned MVP. Effort is everything in all-star games. If you can get the players to give effort, it becomes an awesome all-star game, partially because they were honoring Kobe Bryant, a guy that always gave effort, partially because of the new rules. It ended up being one of the best all-star games I've seen in quite some time last night. Uh, Confirming someone's lying. Someone is lying to us, everybody. It's either Miles Garrett or Mason Rudolph. Miles Garrett saying Mason Rudolph used a racial slur prior to Miles Garrett hitting him over the head with a helmet. Mason Rudolph saying, I absolutely did not. I will put it this way. If I were the one that knew I was right, if I were either Garrett or Rudolph and I knew what I was saying was the absolute truth, you would not see me back off of my stance. I would be pushing. I would be taking it to the court of law if I had to. I would want the truth to set me free because having it bottled up in this he said, he said movement is not going to help anyone. Uh, Moving along, Virginia Tech took on Pittsburgh on the basketball floor and for the first time in five games and for just the second time in the last eight, the Hokies found Paydirt. They got a huge performance from P.J. Horn, one of their veteran leaders, 18 points on 6 of 9 shooting, 4 for 6 from 3. I'm not sure how repeatable that performance is for P.J., but when it happened, it was exactly what the doctor ordered. Also, Jalen Cohn off the bench going 4 of 5 from 3, 4 of 6 overall for 12 points in just 19 minutes. I have one thing to say to Mike Young and that Hokies coaching staff. Play Jalen Cohn more. If the guy doesn't miss three-pointers, Maybe keep him on the floor for more than 20 minutes, right? 19 minutes is not enough for the guy that doesn't miss. It just seems that simple sometimes, especially in a game where Landers Nolly was struggling the way he did from the field. He impacted the game with 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, and a block, but he went 3 for uh, three for 15 Excuse me, from the field, 0 of 6 from 3. Jalen Cohn can help mitigate that cold streak from, from Landers Nolly. Play the kid. This Wednesday, the Hokies are taking on Miami in what I'm calling a must-win. They lost to Miami 71-61 on January 28th in the middle of that losing streak. If they want to prevent another long losing, another long losing streak, they have to beat Miami because following Miami is Duke. Following Duke is UVA. Following UVA is Louisville. Those are going to be tough games to come away with a victory for the Hokies, so make sure you get Miami while you can. Cam Phillips, former Hokie great wide receiver, He's playing like a current Roughnecks great, member of my Houston Roughnecks, and he has four touchdowns in two games, three this past weekend, uh, yesterday, to tally the highest amount of receiving touchdowns in XFL history. Granted, they've only played eight games and we're in week number two, but still three touchdowns for Cam Phillips, an absolutely incredible catch along the backside of the end zone, a tough hands catch uh, later on in the game, give him three for the contest. That's a camp invite. He'll be in the NFL next year. And finally, the Astros. Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers, Chris Bryant of the Cubs, Trevor Bauer of the Reds. You got a fan in me because they're calling out the Astros for what they are. Cheaters. Carlos Correa is giving us stupid uh, excuses. All I want to hear is the rest of baseball say the Astros aren't cool. That is Gotch Covered here on the Tim Donnelly Show, WRAD. Again, I, I think it's hilarious that my mind went to, I just want the Astros to not be cool.
I just, I mean, you got what you want. They are, they are not cool. I want everyone to call them not cool. I want them to just be shamed. I want them to be scarlet lettered. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the, the Virginia Tech basketball team. We talked about it on Friday. They absolutely needed, 100% needed a victory um, against Pittsburgh over the weekend. You look at their schedule and you start seeing some tougher games. You look at where they were coming uh, coming from with a, a five-game losing streak, losing six of the previous seven. They needed a win desperately, if only to make sure that losing did not become the new norm at Virginia Tech. Right, Part of the tremendously impressive uh, part of, of Buzz Williams' tenure, and I know since Buzz left, it's become the cool thing to do, the, the, the soup du jour to bash Buzz for everything he did at the program and complain about his, his, everything he did. But he did some good things. Remember, he took the team to the Sweet 16. One of the most impressive things Buzz was able to do was to take the program from one where losing was, was commonplace, where it was borderline expected, into one where every single loss during the 2018-2019 basketball season was an absolute surprise. And that transition is not an easy one to make. And you don't want to, once you get on the right side of that transition, you don't want to let it go back in the opposite side. So, so this year's team, granted, we knew it was going to be a tough year. We knew that their, their personnel, right, their talent level wasn't going to live up to some of their opponents. We knew that they weren't going to be an elite ACC program this year. They can keep the program afloat by making sure that losing does not become the expectation once again. So, so they go on this losing streak. I was saying they were getting close to that point. They needed to get a win over the weekend to prevent that tilting of the seesaw back in the bad direction, and they were able to do that. And it came from an unusual place, right? The win wasn't on the backs of Landers Nolly and Tyrese Radford, right? The win wasn't on the back of, of the guys that had been carrying the franchise, Naheem Aline. The win was on the back of P.J. Horn, at least the scoring, right? Landers Nolly did some things outside of scoring 12 rebounds, six assists, two steals, and a block that prove he has elite-level uh, basketball IQ. But, but P.J. Horn was the guy who said, give me the ball, watch what I do with it, right? He was the one that said 18 points on six of nine shooting, four of six from three. I'll be the difference in this game. And, and that is a... An awesome, awesome thing. Jalen Cohn, 12 points on 4 of 5 from 3, 4 of 6 overall in just 19 minutes. That that brings two immediate thoughts to the table. One, why is a guy that's five of or excuse me, four of five from three only playing 19 minutes? Yeah. And and two, that's fantastic for the Hokies. The fact that they can win a game when Aline, Radford, Nolly, Beatty, none of those guys are in double figures. The fact that they can win a game in the Atlantic Coast Conference when they had to depend on P.J. Horn and Jalen Cohn to handle the bulk of the scoring is awesome. Is awesome. I mean, you, you think the reason why they're not playing as much 
or you know he's not getting as many minutes because like you like you said earlier like in the seat well you know not even that much earlier but that they're they kind of hit the wall like their endurance isn't there they're, they're hitting the wall but Jalen Cohn actually one of the few stalwarts of this team has been Jalen Cohn's ability to knock down the three right one of one of the few few um uh one of the few things that kind of has been there every game has been if Jalen Cohn is open, he should fire, right? Landers Nolly has had 30-point games, 29-point games. He's had huge scoring moments. He's had, um, you know, uh, basically every different kind of game. But he's also had games like yesterday where he went 3 of 15 shooting, 0 for 6 from the 3, right? Tyrese Radford has had games where he scored 15-plus, streak into the bucket. But he's also had games where he scored 2. Jalen Cohn will knock down jumpers. Say what you want about the rest of his game. He will knock down jumpers. And I don't think the Hokies are in a position where they can take knocking down jumpers for, for granted. I think it's uh, going to be pretty awesome to see how Mike Young develops them over the, to, over the next couple of years. Just like, yeah. I bet they're going to be a squad if they all kind of stick together. It, absolutely. And, and P.J. Horn will be able to look back long after he graduated and say, I'm a part of that. Right, because because he's one of the few veterans, and he can look back and say, "I helped those freshmen not be okay with losing." Right, we were on a five-game losing streak, and I said, as the veteran, "I refuse to let this losing streak continue." And hopefully, there is a lesson there that the younger guys can learn and say, "All right, losing's not all right." PJ showed us. Now let's go ahead and and make sure it never happens again. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and make sure that doesn't happen again starting this Wednesday against Miami. I'll tell you why that game is big right after this. Sports in the NRV just got a wake-up call. Wake up! The Tim Donnelly Show continues next on WRAD. Tim Donnelly Show continuing here on the Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7-103.5-1460 AM. You can also catch us live on the TuneIn app. Download the TuneIn app to your phone. Uh, search WRAD. And, and you will, right then and there, have, as long as it's between 6 and 9, have the Tim Donnelly show in your pocket. That's pretty cool. You can carry around me and Lobro right there. All of your adventures. In your pocket, your hoodie front pocket, your could be your front chest pocket, maybe the inside pocket where spies always keep their, their hidden stuff on your jacket. Maybe you still wear a fanny pack and you just tape the front of your fanny pack. Um you also might have those like strap things where you like strap your phone to your forearm. There. Or is it? Is this? No, that's not your forearm. That's your bicep, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I had never taken an anatomy class. That does. You don't have to take an anatomy class to know the difference between your forearm and your bicep. <laughs> They're different body parts. You don't. You don't go like oh, I'm gonna put my hat on my head and then throw it on your kneecap because you didn't take anatomy. All right. Let's move on. Miami, Wednesday, Hokies. Uh, Virginia Tech taking on Miami two days from now. Uh, if you look at the schedule, it, it's close to a must-win for the Hokies because if you look at what's following, Duke, Virginia, Louisville, the schedule gets really tough for the Hokies. And and I'm not saying those are unwinnable. Obviously, they can beat Virginia this year. Virginia's had their ups and downs. Um, they hung with Duke for the first half of their first meeting, and that was when this Virginia team was, or Virginia Tech team, excuse me, was in its infancy. Louisville has lost games that they probably shouldn't have lost this year. So I'm not saying they're unwinnable, but I'm saying I don't know if you can bank on them being wins. 
So if you're looking for games that you can kind of chalk up in the win column, Miami is a much more likely win. And on top of that, I think if you beat Miami, then you're more likely to, to be in the game late against Duke, Virginia, and Louisville. Let me explain. We've learned now that this year's Virginia Tech team is A, young, and B, susceptible to streaks, right? For the first part, they played exceptionally. They beat Michigan State, then they lose to Dayton, then they lose to BYU, then they lose to Duke. Loss, loss, loss. Then they win a bunch again. Then loss, win, loss, 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 loss. Now they win. If if they can keep themselves on the winning streak after they broke that five-game losing streak, then I believe they will be playing better basketball heading into Duke. Now, if that translates to a win is a question for another day in time. But but I do believe this team, and maybe it is because they're young and their, their imaginations can get running away with them, if they win like two games in a row, that third game, they're going to be much better because their confidence is going to be sky high. Guys like P.J. Horn are going to be knocking down threes. Guys like Jalen Cohn are going to be coming off the bench with, with lightning in, the, in their eyes. So it's, it's a borderline must win. A, because it's a, likely, a more likely win. B, because it is necessary for them to keep the streak rolling. Right, and it's hard to call a streak a streak when they've won one game. But heck, you know, two becomes a streak. So they, if they want to call it a streak, they have to win Wednesday. If they want those freshmen to get back to believing like they're big men on campus, back to believing like they're all future pros, back to believing that they're all they were all underrespected and they're all, uh, you know, upset team of the century, they need to make it happen this Wednesday. Right? There's an element of playing with house money when you're playing Duke and Louisville. Right? If you're playing a top 10 team in the country, there's an element of, of you're playing with house money. If you lose, you're supposed to. If you win, hey, upset. But playing against Miami, there's less house money. You got your own chips on the table. You are expected to compete in that game. You are expected to have a chance to win in that game. And if you're Mike Young, you're expecting your team to win that game. They lost to Miami 71-61 on January 28th. I believe they were better than that final score entails. I believe they deserved to be in that game at the end. Chris Likes played, uh, but, but it, it was not him that beat them. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, it is time for our favorite segment of Hokie Hour. It is time for Hashtag Hokies. And get this, we have a... a tweet about football season that has me perhaps reconsidering. I'll pose the question, perhaps reconsidering how I see the upcoming football season playing out when it comes to Justin Hamilton and coach Fuente, the jobs they need to do leading their respective units of the football team. That's next right here. Tim Donnelly show. Stick around. Welcome back.
back. Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM as well. It is a Monday. Go ahead and make the new week work for you. Uh, Lobro joining me here in studio, and it is time for one of our favorite segments of Hokie Hour. It is time for Hashtag Hokies. Now, this Hashtag Hokies comes from uh, a Twitter user who I think we've had on Hashtag Hokies before, at Losada128. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Losada128. Uh, he was talking about um, a couple of his teams, right, XFL, whatever, and then there was a, a part of the thread that said, as for the Hokies, it's hard to envision them winning at all. But I will say having Hendon Hooker in the backfield taking snaps really helps our case. It's going to be on the defense this season. Can they make enough stops to keep us in games? 2020 is off to a great start. And it seems like, you know, pretty generic Hokie Twitter, right? Someone throwing out there how they think the Hokies need to play, what, what they're excited about. And the first half of, of that tweet, I I essentially chalked it up to that, right? A little, a little dash of optimism never really hurts. Exactly. It's, it, like, it's hard to envision them winning at all. I don't know if that's ever, but this year, yes, I do think it's it's extremely hard to envision the Hokies competing for a national championship in this year. I think they should set their sights on, on uh, something along the lines of a conference championship and slaying Clemson before you go, um, you know, trying to trying to win the college football playoff. But hey, I'm fine with big goals. I like when people have big goals. And if if someone wants to go believe that the Hokies can win the national championship, hey, everyone in the country is zero and zero right now. Everyone starts from the same place. Go for it. But but the first half of that, I was like, basic Hokie Twitter. The second half, it's going to be on the defense this season. Can they make enough stops to keep us in games? 2020 is off to a great start. And that's the part that that light bulb, right? I heard that, and I, th- and I actually think it it's partially true and partially incorrect depending on the time of season. Because I don't think there's a, a hesitation that the defense for the Hokies is going to be extremely talented. Caleb Farley, Jermaine Waller at corner might be the two best returning cornerbacks in the ACC. Uh, Rayshard Ashby is one of the top few returning linebackers in the Atlantic Coast Conference. At safety, you have Divine Diablo, who's been a, a starter now for a couple of seasons. And you have Devin Hunter, who is a former five-star player. So you know he's got uh, otherworldly physical talent. You have Tremari Connor, who might be my favorite player on the defense from his do-it-all nature, can guard, can lay the wood, can can come up and stop the run. And you have an extremely talent-infused defensive line that I believe has the opportunity to be leaps and bounds better uh, than they were a season ago. However... There's this one guy they're really going to miss. And he's probably going to be during the week, especially early in the season, water skiing behind his boat in Claytor Lake. And it's Bud Foster, right? So early on in the season, I think it might actually be the opposite of what Losada 128 here is saying. As Justin Hamilton gets his feet under him, and not just Justin Hamilton, but as the two new defensive line coaches, Bill Tierlink and Daryl Tapp, get their feet under him, as the new linebackers coach, Tracy Clays, gets his feet under him, right? as the new corners coach, Coach Smith, gets his feet under him, there's going to be an element of, of, of growing pains. Oh, right? yeah. Right? So early in the season, 
that talent may not be able to be completely unleashed in the way that it was this past year, right? Yes, the, the system will remain largely similar, but, but there is a difference, right? Even just the voice you hear on the sidelines, when that changes, your play will be like, whoa, 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 right? Because defensive football needs to be reactive, right? There's no time to think in defensive football. Uh, you think pre-snap and you react when the play is going on, right? You can't have your moment of, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, this is what I do. Play's already made by the offense. So there's going to be a few games, particularly early on in the season, where the defense is thinking too much because they're used to hearing Bud's voice. Now it's someone else's voice. Or like, what would Bud do or this yeah. or that? Okay, Bud wanted me to do this, but Justin wants me to do this. Yeah, they get like, pulled in two different directions. And, and it's nobody's fault. It just takes – transitions take time. So early in the season when you look at the offense, right, and they have – the entire offensive line returning, and they have the quarterback, Hendon Hooker, returning, and they have James Mitchell, a stud tight end, returning, and they have Trey Turner, a stud wide receiver, returning, and they have Tavion Robinson, a stud wide receiver, returning, and they have uh, an infusion of talent at the running back position, whether it is Blackshear, the transfer, whether it is Herbert, the transfer, whether it is uh, Marco Lee, the junior college transfer, or it is any of those freshmen that they brought in, and there were plenty of them, there's going to be an ability for the offense to carry the defense a bit early in the season, right? Because they still have Cornelson calling the plays, same voice. They still have Coach Fuente overlooking the offense, same voice. They still have uh, Coach Vice leading the offense, same voice. They still have Coach Williams leading the wide receivers, same voice. Like their leadership is basically not – well, not as shaken. So if I had to say which side of the ball was more talented, I would say defense. Largely because of the corners. Largely because of Rayshard Ashby in the middle. So the, the logic might lead you to say, all right, this season's on the defense. Just like Losada 128 said. It might lead you to say this season is on the defense. Can they hold teams low enough that the offense can, can pull out one more point than they can? But I would say early in the season – it might be on the offense to overcome some of the mental errors that will surely happen as everybody on the defensive side congeals a bit. And then as the season goes along, you may see those roles slowly turn until the end of the season, right? Then the offense can start playing more conservatively then the offense can start hanging back a bit and let that defense make plays, right? Let them, once they get into that same instinctual place, let them make plays. Let Caleb Farley's immense talent take over. Let Jermaine Waller's immense physicality take over. Let Rayshard Ashby's immense nose for the ball take over. But I'm not sure if we can expect it to be that way straight out the gate. I don't know if this season will be one where where they win game one the same way that they win week 14, week 13, week 12. There will be, they will be a living and breathing organism that is growing a bit in, in different directions each and every week. And then, and then, I mean, just to be candid, 
the best teams aren't teams that lean on the offense or lean on the defense, right? The best teams are one where the offense can stand sturdily on its own and the defense can do the same. So if the offense is carrying the defense early on and then the defense slowly builds up to a a really, really good defense, that's not saying the offense then has to suddenly turn around and say, all right, I'm all about giving, you know, given all the credit and and all of the responsibility on the defensive shoulders. Carry your own responsibility and everyone will be happy. I hope we're sitting here at the end of the year talking about how the offense has been a great offense from day one and and the defense has grown its way into one of the better defenses in the ACC. That's what I hope we can say. But I just don't want anyone to have unrealistic expectations on the defensive side of the ball because they're returning just about every player when in actuality they are returning just about every player, but they're returning just about no coaches as well. Right, Charlie Wiles isn't walking through that door. Bud Foster isn't walking through that door. Justin Hamilton isn't walking through that door as just a safeties coach. He's now a defensive coordinator and a safeties coach. Brian Mitchell isn't walking through that door. There's a lot of people that aren't walking through that door, including Reggie Floyd, who was like a coach on the on the field uh, from his from his safety spot. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Cam Phillips, former Hokie player, is putting on a show. I'll tell you what it means for the future of the Hokie. Great. Next. Miss something? Yeah, we missed you so much. Download the Tim Donnelly Show podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley. The XFL has been going on now for two weeks. And do you know who might be the most impressive player in the entire XFL? Uh, Former Hokie Cam Phillips scored the first touchdown in the history of the Houston Roughnecks last week. And this week, all he did was follow that up with not one, not two, but three touchdowns in week number two uh, for the best team in the XFL. The Houston Roughnecks have been the best team over the last two weeks. How's that for repping the hometown there? That's pretty awesome. It's awesome. And, and my first reaction is real simple. My first reaction is Cam Phillips is earning his way back to the NFL, right? Make no mistake about it. The XFL is awesome, right? And it gives players a chance to keep playing. It gives them a chance to scratch the itch that they have to keep competing. But the minimum salary for XFL players is $27,000 for the entire season, right? Oh, wow. Players can earn an additional sixteen eighty five if they're on the active roster, uh, which he would be adding. And then each win earns XFL players a $2,222 bonus, which he's earned each of the last two weeks as well. So he's on pace to make somewhere around 55000 But make no mistake about it, you are playing for $55,000 a year knowing the experience and the exposure of it might get you back into the NFL. And I think that's what that's what the XFL is going to prove to be is this sort of developmental league. And and just so you know, uh the NFL minimum salary 495,000. Huh. So so I mean that's the goal, wow. right? The, the the goal is you are playing in the XFL with the hopes of showing the world and NFL scouts that you can still play and and you can play at the highest possible level which is the NFL. And and you also must, and this is 100% true, 
you must dominate, right? You, you got to stand out. You must dominate because most of the guys in the XFL are not good enough to play in the NFL, right? There's a reason they've been cut from NFL rosters or not asked to be in the NFL, right? Most of them are not guys who are diamonds that slip through the cracks. Some of them are. A few of them are. Most are guys that are, you know, if the top 99% make it to the NFL, or excuse me, the top 1% makes it to the NFL, or the top 1% of 1% makes it to the NFL, most of the guys in the XFL are very good football players, but they're, you know, in that 98th percentile. They're just short, and they're where they should be. Now, the 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 difference is Cam Phillips has been dominant. Right, he. You have to look much better. This is what I'm getting at. If you want the NFL to come calling, you have to look much better than everyone on an XFL roster. Right? No one. You don't get called up to varsity by being a solid player on JV. You get called up to varsity by dominating JV and being the best player on the floor in JV. Right. That's what Cam Phillips has been able to do. Early on, showed his deep speed. Right. Had the 50-yard touchdown catch last week. This week showed his ability in tight spaces. The catch he made along the back line, right end zone, kept his feet inbounds, took a hit, held on, is exactly what you want to see if you're an NFL scout. The catch he made for his third touchdown, where the ball was was a little off topic because his quarterback was, was throwing it on the run, was a little off target because his quarterback was throwing it on the run, and he adjusted, caught it with all hands, I mean, he is doing the things that you have to do to prove that you deserve to be in an NFL camp. Now, players are not permitted to sign with an NFL team until after the season, right? The contract says you're staying with us through the season. They play 10 games of regular season football. Cam Phillips has been dominant through two. He needs to keep it up. Now, I'm not saying he's got to score three touchdowns a week, but he has to do something every week that shows the scouts that their first impression was accurate. Make a catch toe-tapping on the sideline. Burn a, a defensive back at the line with a, with a release. Do something to, to prove to the NFL that your XFL success is warranted. And then the, the next question becomes what's next, right? Because if he plays like he's playing or even close to like he's playing through two weeks the rest of the year, he's going to be in an NFL camp, right? An NFL team is going to give him a spot in training camp. That's the most the XFL can do for you. I still think I still think that's like an effective thing. It is, but but I I put this out on Twitter, right? There was a highlight of uh, his third touchdown catch, and my my caption was legit: "Just Cam Phillips will be in an NFL training camp next year." One of the responses was, "I think Cam Phillips is going to make a roster next year." There's no way to know that yet. Right, The NFL isn't going to put you on a roster based on what you did in the XFL. They'll put you in camp based on what you did in the XFL. And then in training camp, you have to prove that you are worthy of being on the roster, that you are worthy of getting preseason reps. And then once you get preseason reps, you have to use those reps to prove that you're worthy of getting regular season reps. And then once you get those regular season reps, you have to prove that you're worthy of getting more regular season reps. And once you get more regular season reps, you have to prove that you're worthy of getting playoff reps. 
to me, right now, as it as it stands, it feels like it's not really. You can't really seem to make a long career in the XFL, just because the there will risk, be guys, there will be guys that try. There's the risk is I feel like is too high for the salary that they're getting the, right now. I mean, I, I do believe, and I don't know this, but I would guess that the XFL has had to have excellent health, everything to protect players because they're taking that. That risk. is true, I suppose. Um, but but my point is this: best case scenario from your XFL career, you get. Six weeks in the summertime to prove that you're worthy of an NFL spot. That's best case scenario from the XFL. And and Cam Phillips, as of right now, is probably the most likely guy in the entire league to get that best case scenario. That's pretty awesome considering the Hokies have two guys in the XFL. One of them is the most likely, in my opinion to end up in an NFL camp. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. That's dreams being reintroduced into their imagination. Let's take a break. When we come back, top of the next hour, we'll get you covered, and we'll talk about the Astros being lying, cheating, no good, dirty, rotten cheaters next.